Loving God, your word has the power to restore our lives, so open our hearts to the presence of your spirit and the message from your word, for you are mighty to save. Amen. Our text today is the 69th Psalm. It's a psalm that the New Testament relates to Jesus in four particular ways. First, in John's account of Jesus clearing the money changers out of the temple, we read that his disciples remembered that it is written, passion for your house consumes me. Well, where it is written is in Psalm 69. Secondly, when Jesus spoke of what his followers would go through, he said, if the world harassed me, it will harass you too. Referring again to Psalm 69, where it says they hated me for no reason. And thirdly, as Jesus was dying on the cross, he referred to the 21st verse of this psalm. In John 19, we read, After this, knowing that everything was already completed in order to fulfill the scriptures, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was nearby, so the soldiers soaked a sponge in it and placed it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when he had received that sour wine, or we would say vinegar, Jesus said, it is completed. And bowing his head, he gave up his life. And this psalm is referred to in Acts and several times by the Apostle Paul. So this morning, let us look closely at the 69th Psalm. And because it's one of the longer psalms, I'll read it in sections. Each of the three sections has a, a plea, you might say, a theme. The first six verses say, save me. The next seven through 18 say, free me. And then the 19 through 36, the message is, protect me. So in this psalm, there are six petitions that alternate with five complaints. Now, don't worry, that does not mean this is going to be an 11-point sermon. <laughs> I think it mainly has one. Uh, but listen closely for those pleas and the complaints, and listen mostly for God's word for you today. Psalm 69. Save me, God, because the waters have reached my neck. I have sunk into deep mud. My feet can't touch the bottom. I have entered deep water. The flood has swept me up. I'm tired of crying. My throat is hoarse. My eyes are exhausted with waiting for my God. More numerous than the hairs on my head are those who hate me for no reason. My treacherous enemies, those who would destroy me, are countless. Must I now give back what I didn't steal in the first place? God, you know my foolishness, my wrongdoings are not hidden from you. Lord of heavenly forces, don't let those who hope in you be put to shame because of me. God of Israel, don't let those who seek you be disgraced because of me. I am insulted because of you. Shame covers my face. So you see the first six verses say, save me. 
The psalm starts with that desperate plea for help. The writer's overwhelmed. The description is detailed and gruesome, being overwhelmed by the disorder and the threat of deep water getting deeper and mire with no place to stand. Now, if your friend or family member came to you with pleas like this, you'd know that they were in some sort of serious trouble, but not exactly what. You'd probably say, now slow down, honey, and tell me exactly what's the matter, what's happening. Or something like that. The fourth verse tells us that the psalmist has many enemies who hate him for no reason. And because he asked that business of, must I give back what I didn't steal in the first place? It's been suggested maybe he was accused of stealing. But we don't really know. Have you ever been accused of something that you did not do? Even worse, have you ever been in a situation where not just one or two, but a bunch of people. They were sure you had done something wrong that you did not do. Now the American justice system, thank goodness, says you are innocent. In court, you are innocent until proven guilty. But that is not true of the American gossip system. <laughs> it's not true on Facebook. It's not true in some neighborhoods or and it's sure not true in some families. If you have been in that situation, you know how the psalmist feels. The writer of Psalm 69 is like you and me in another way. He is not claiming to be perfect. Remember he said, God, you know my foolishness, my wrongdoings are not hidden from you. Well, let's continue reading at that next verse, verse seven. I have become a stranger to my own brothers, an immigrant to my mother's children, because passion for your house has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I wept while I fasted. Even for that, I was insulted. When I wore funeral clothes, people made fun of me. Those who sit at their city gate muttered things about me. Drunkards made up rude songs. But me, my prayer reaches you, Lord, at just the right time. God, in your great and faithful love, answer me with your certain salvation. Save me from the mud. Don't let me drown. Let me be saved from those who hate me and from the watery depths. Don't let me be swept away by the floodwaters. Don't let the abyss swallow me up. Don't let the pit close its mouth over. Answer me, Lord, for your faithful love is good. Turn to me in your great compassion. Don't hide your face from me, your servant, because I'm in deep trouble. Answer me quickly. Come close to me. Redeem me. Save me because of my enemies. So you see, the first six verses said, save me. And the next verse says, say, free me from all these troubles. In verse 8, the psalmist pleads for help, describing himself as alienated from community, rejected by his family, stranger to my own brothers, an immigrant to my mother's children. How bad have things gotten? Remember he said, people who gather at the city gate, and that was where people gathered, muttered things about me. Drunkards made up rude songs. It's not just that he doesn't get enough respect. He's mocked, mocked in public. Think about it. As tough as your life may have gotten 
along the way somewhere. Have you ever heard that you were a subject of rude songs made up by drunkards? I won't try and make up any lyrics. <laughs> but you can just imagine. So the first verse is say, save me, and the next one's free me. And now here the last verses that say, protect me. Some of the prayer for protection is called imprecation. Well, that's a fancy word that has to do with invoking evil to come down on your enemies. But to me, it sounds a whole lot like, Lord, whop them and whop them real good. <laughs> so as we resume at verse 19, listen for both the pleas and the complaints. And then at the end, for the confident promise of praise and the sound of hope. You know full well the insults I've received. You know my shame and my disgrace. All my adversaries are right there in front of you. Insults have broken my heart. I'm, I'm sick about it. I've hoped for sympathy, but there wasn't any. I hoped for comforters, but couldn't find any. They gave me poison for food to quench my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Let the table before them become a trap. Now, Offerings a snare, let their eyes grow too dim to see, make their insides tremble constantly. Pour out your anger on them, let your burning fury catch them, let their camp be devastated, let no one dwell in their tents because they go after those you've already struck. They talk about the pain of those you've already pierced. Pile guilt on top of their guilt. Don't let them come into your righteousness, let them be wiped out of the scroll of life. Let them not be recorded along with the righteous. And me, I'm afflicted. I'm full of pain. Let your salvation keep me safe, God. I will praise God's name with song. I will magnify him with thanks because that is more pleasing to the Lord than an ox, more pleasing than a young bull with full horns and hooves. Let the afflicted see it and be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts be strong again because the Lord listens to the needy and doesn't despise his captives. Let heaven and earth praise God, the oceans too, and all that moves within them. God will most certainly save Zion and rebuild Judah's cities so that God's servants can live there and possess it. The offspring of God's servants will inherit Zion, and those who love God's name will dwell there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All the things the writer of Psalm 69 has complained about. False accusations, people believing guilty when he's not, the gossip, the mockery, and all the rest have consequences that are physical. The 21st says, and me, I'm afflicted, I'm full of pain. It literally makes him sick. And so in his misery and pain and desperation, he prays. He begs God to show up and do something, to save him, to free him, to protect him. There's a lady named uh, Kate Calusi Estes. She's the chaplain at Agnes Scott College, which is a women's college, a Presbyterian college in Decatur, Georgia. About Psalm 69, she has written, like the psalmist, we pray for God to act or speak to us, sometimes not noticing the way God's already acting and speaking. Sometimes 
Those revelations or epiphanies of God come in ways that we do not expect. What Sharon would call God winks. Psalm 69 reminds us on those days when life has hit us hard. We are not alone. On those days when we feel far away from God, when we feel that all around us have turned their backs, Psalm 69 reminds us that God calls us to live into what is right in front of us. Or put another way, here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, not yet, but in a minute or two, we will sing our hymn, How Firm a Foundation. But stay seated. I'll remind you that each verse of that hymn claims a promise of what verse one called God's excellent word, the Bible. The second verse claims a verse from Isaiah 41, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my victorious right hand. And the last two verses claim promises in Second Corinthians. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And in Hebrews, For he has said, I will never, I will never leave you or forsake you. There's one verse our Berea hymn book leaves off. It claims another verse in Isaiah 43, but it reminds us of Psalm 40, 69. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not thee overflow. For I will be with you, thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. So stand with me now, if you're able, and let us sing hymn number 275, Now Firm a Foundation. May the God of creation and restoration give you confidence in the daily task set before you. May the God of love and compassion assure you of your heritage as a child of God. May the God of guidance and inspiration mold you in God's image. And may the blessing of God Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, be with you and remain with you today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen.